Welcome everybody to episode seven of the Business Live podcast by Food Circle Supermarket. I'm Paul. I'm James. And we are looking forward to this one. This is episode seven with Laurel Crisps, who are a Sheffield-based business, but uh, originate from a more exotic land. They are from Colombia. Oh, I, thought we were, I thought we were going to reveal that when we start, but it's okay. Uh, we're giving it away. Well, yeah, we've given it away now, but that's okay, isn't and, it? Um, and they're actually one of our um, suppliers, our brands that we work with yeah. as well, which is brilliant. Um, so our customers, if they're listening to this, um, might recognise Lola yes. Crisps yeah, yeah. Um, from our website, which yeah. is great. Absolutely. No, it's a really good one. Um, we go into loads of detail. Our first female entrepreneurs as well, which we didn't really want, want to make a big thing of, but it all comes out in the podcast as to why we are going to make a bit of a big thing of it. Um, yeah. And no, it's a really good one. We know for a fact everyone's going to enjoy this. We're going to take loads of value from it. Um, yeah. So we hope you enjoy it. Let's yeah. let's get on with it. We yeah. don't. We, we don't. People don't want to hear from us. They want to hear from the brand, mate. Episode seven is here. Um, yeah. And today we're going to say a big hola. We're going to say a big kepasa to <laughs> Daniela and Natalia from Lower Crisps. Yeah, lovely to be here, guys. Thank you for inviting us. Hola. Yes, thank you so much for having us. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. No problem at all. We're excited for this one. So people that um, uh, are obviously customer, customers of ours and followers will know that we have recently launched um, an amazing vegan snacking um, inspired by uh, the incredible country of Colombia um, brand that has actually gone really well. Um uh, and you guys will know because we recently just purchased a pallet of your stock after the initial trial went so well. Um, so our customers love you and we thought, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> our customers love you. So we thought, wouldn't it be amazing to have you both on our podcast to tell us a story of your brand, um, how you guys started off in business. I know you got some other things going on as well, Natalia. Um so, yeah, we, we just want to jump straight into it, really, and learn more about you guys, how you started off. Um, and in particular, um, you're our most exotic guests we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, it's, this is a very, uh, a very Yorkshire podcast, but we've changed it up today. And we've got from across the globe. Yes. Very Yorkshire-centric. We are Yorkshire lasses as well, so... Yeah. Yeah. Exotic Yorkshire lattes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why, like, Laurel Crisps is, is so exciting. Like, we are Colombia, like, from origin, based in Sheffield, but we are selling pretty much everywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. it's quite an international brand, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it's a brilliant product, and I think what we've found with our our customers, we sort of um. We wondered how they'd get on with the, um, you know, the flavors being named after areas of Colombia and things like that. But it's gone down really, really well. So people, um, people are obviously in tune with it, on board with the uh, the brand and everything. I must say that the product looks uh, and tastes fantastic, but the the branding and the packaging is uh, super brightly colored, um, lots of different flavors. So yeah, it's it's working really well. Thank you. So should we start from the beginning, Nati? Should we start? Should we start telling like the story of how did Laura Crisps actually came about? Because I feel there's a lot of stories behind it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so back in 2017, I was a student at the University of Sheffield, mm-hmm. and I was working at the front desk of the Enterprise Zone. So I was just working, like getting paperwork stuff and like a part-time job. And Natty was one of the co-workers at, at, at the space. She was one of the entrepreneurs working. Um, and we became really good friends and we started talking and we saw we had the connection of working in Colombia, but also like um, having this entrepreneur spirit. Um, so Nati had her own business, Pura Panela. And do you want to tell more about Pura Panela and then we'll continue mm. with? Another product in our range. Uh, yes. So yeah, I had a Pura Panela, which is a completely different business and a bit more difficult to get the message across to people. Um, and, and people kept asking me, so Pura Panela is a natural alternative to refined sugar from Colombia as well. Um, and, and people kept asking me, okay, this is great, but what other products do you have? So I always kind of had in my head, oh, Colombia's got such, such a range of different things. I would love to kind of bring more things. And Daniela was working in the enterprise zone and she was also thinking, oh, I would like a business that I can bring something from Colombia. So she mm. started talking. And then it was kind of the perfect synergy (laughs) yeah yeah. and exactly like i i remember i like i wanted to start a business i just didn't know what i wanted to do but i knew i wanted to do something and i knew the whole mission of what i wanted was to connect colombia and the uk and when atalia came and we're like well why don't we do something so then we started looking at products and i don't know why we talked about like well Plantains are quite famous. And every time Chris, Natalia's husband, go to Colombia, he loves plantains. And my best friend has been to Colombia twice. When she came back, she came back with a bag full of plantain crisps. And I was like, well, we might have something here. So we started looking at suppliers and looking at everything else. And then the question was like, okay, we need to make this a brand, but what's the name? (laughs) And I remember after a lot of talking and procrastinating, we ended up watching a YouTube video of parrots eating plantain. <laughs> and it's, it's honestly, it's like funny cat videos, the same, but with parrots. And we ended up hours looking at these videos. And I was like, Nati, well, parrots eat plantains. Loro means parrot in Spanish. Why don't we just call it Loro crisps? <laughs> and I remember in the enterprise zone, there was like this parrot mascot that we saw there, I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. And that's how like the name came about. <laughs> and it was so ugly, it's nothing to do with the with the actual parrot that we have at the moment. The, the, it was like a puppet thing, like, full of hand, <laughs> really ugly. But it, it, it was a really fun kind of moment uh, for yeah. us, yeah. And I remember like we talked and we talked and we, we found out that when we both were growing up in Colombia, I had a parrot as a mascot. And his name was Pepe. And I remember like it was just so natural to us just having like exotic parrots that we never thought that could be like something we could like make it a brand or like something that represents who we are. Um, so ha- that's how the name and the brand came about. Uh, and I remember the first time we, we talked with the people that did our designs and we told them that we wanted each packaging to represent a parrot and a region of Colombia and to be colorful and exotic and fun and people to see it and think about Colombia. We honestly thought we were going crazy. (laughs) We're like, (laughs) how the hell are we going to organize a parrot in a packaging? 
but I think they managed to do it quite well. So yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, really well. Um, each yeah. packet is got paradise. I don't know if you have spotted it, but they, on the side, each one is a different parrot. Like we have a guacamayas, and so it's really fun for for people to see. And as we come up with new flavors, it's like name the parrot or find the parrot, which is quite good. Yeah, it's good to have, it's good to have a mascot and uh, engage people because I, I would imagine I don't know. Um, it's a question that we should ask you really. Um, how, do, how does the UK market respond to the sort of um, the Colombian side of it? Is there a big um, sort of um, Hispanic element in this country that's part of your customer base? Or is it, or do you think it's um, people from over here sort of um, wanting to try something a bit different? Do you want me to answer? Yeah, <laughs> or yeah, Daniela? Yes, no, no, either. <laughs> uh, well, the idea... Uh, we have a lot of uh, plantain crests and products that are very native to Colombia and always, or the majority of the market has always been targeted for the Latinos or for the ethnic community. So you find that the packaging is not a big player in the products. A lot of those communities know the products already and they go to their ethnic shops and shop for them. So what we wanted to create was a, a communication or a, a way of communicating the message of the great product that we had uh, for a more uh, British or international European consumer. And that's why the packaging is, is so different to what you will find in, in the ethnic shops for similar products. Uh, but of course, people who are uh, Latinos or Colombians in, in the UK have been very happy to find the product that they know that they can feel that they can recommend to their uh, English or British friends and they can feel that they can communicate that message. So we can, we have had a mixture of both and, and it has been great because the support from, from our own communities uh, and, and also uh, new markets for us has been really important. Yeah, and I think to add to that, like what we were trying to do is that if you take tortilla chips it has been in, in Mexican generations forever. And it's the same with plantain crisp. We didn't invent plantain crisps. We just changed the branding to make it appealing to everyone and not just people that know what they are. If you go to the Moore market, you'll find plantain crisps, but only if you actually look for them. And what we were trying to do with the branding is just to make it fun for anyone to try, not just for people that already know what a plantain crisps is. Uh, yeah. So that's been quite an interesting um yeah, challenge and extra and strategy. Yeah, that's cool. What, what were your um, what were your inspirations behind that? Because when you were describing then, I completely understand understand your point. By the way, of sort of um, marketing it and branding it in a way to appeal to like a broader audience, stuff like that. It made me think of um, Levi Roots, you know, reggae reggae yeah. sauce. So, did you have any inspirations yeah. like that? Was he one or or were there others as well? <laughs> I think for me, it was not. Natalia with Pura Panela. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And I think, um, well, yeah, it was, I mean, we, we've, we've been really lucky to have amazing support from a lot of our international entrepreneur friends. Um, we, we're really close to Will from MacDoc and yeah. we've seen how he's brought a little bit of Malaysia to the UK. And we have seen like in the UK, such an international and open-minded community that it's been really nice to see all of people accepting these new products. Um, and there's a lot in the market, chickpea puffs or 
um, quinoa, all of these things, they are not native to here. But just when we change the branded and make it appealing, it became part of the UK consumers like standardized shopping list. And that's what we want a plantain crisps to be. Yeah, it's been amazing. When did you launch then? What year? What date? And were you still at uni when you launched? No, in the pandemic, we launched. <laughs> oh, God. I thought you'd been going for before then. Well, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, so you launched been, officially. Yeah, officially only last year. Uh, we were uh, not driving for a while, just setting up everything because, you know, we had to uh, bring full containers of the product. So it, it took a lot of work to get everything right. But yeah, the launch only, like the first container only arrived uh, last year, yeah, in the middle of the pandemic. And yes, we already finished uni. We are actually, both of us, we are lawyers, by the way. So we are oh. <laughs> like a completely different thing. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But yeah, interesting that's, twist. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's amazing. So you're doing, um, you're doing the lawyers stuff and launching a brand at the same time? No. No, no. <laughs> so you're full in on the brand? Yeah, we, we study law. Uh, oh, okay, like got you. A long time ago, we we are, that's kind of our profession. But yeah. then uh, I set up my business and Daniela was doing a master's and then we finished uni and got all that done and kind of... Yeah forgot about it and then said business. <laughs> you've gone into the crazy world of entrepreneurship which is yeah. uh, what was the what was the launch like then I mean the pandemic we've spoken to we speak to a lot of brands and there's been a lot of new product development in the pandemic which has just been um, it's just it's been the worst time to launch anything because um, retailers were like put on hold weren't they in terms of being a new stock and they're like hang on a minute with something weirds going on here so what was it like for you in terms of launching and trying to get the brand out there and speak to uh, retailers? I think what Natalia and I, or the strategy we, we set from day one was we needed to secure sales before producing the product. Mm -hmm. Because the product is produced in Colombia, we needed to make sure we had some people behind us before we could brought, like before we invest X amount of money bringing a container to the UK. And I think this is when it gets quite funny and, and are the stories to tell. And it's, for example, the first time we secure a listing, Natalia went to Dubai um, to get a, a buyer there. And she didn't even have a meeting with the buyer. She just approached the buyer. We didn't have the packaging. We just had a printed paper with glue on top to make it shiny and a product in a plastic bag. And <laughs> Natalia went like this to the buyer and I have no idea what she said, but she managed to secure a sale. <laughs> That's amazing. This is a supermarket, by the way. And it was, it's our first supermarket. And it's stories like this, or a year and a half ago, um, we went to Birmingham to an event uh, to meet buyers. And Natalia met with a Japanese buyer. Uh, again, we didn't have packaging. We just had the product this time in a glass jar with a logo on top, which what, which actually looked quite nice. Yeah. And she tried the product. She got the concept. And yeah, and that was another sale. So I think that's been the strategy from day one, um, just securing sales and making people buy the story, buy the the whole concept behind it. Um, but it's been, it's been challenging with a pandemic and I feel Brexit because... Let's not forget about the B word. 
yeah. we, well, we, we, we can come on to that <laughs> we'll go in a little bit um but yeah how, how did that feel then to be to be getting those sales when you've just not not really got a prototype of a product or anything you've just got like a little sample how did it feel you must have thought this is easy this we yeah. can uh, <laughs> imagine what so we'll be able easy. to do when we actually get a product no. it's so easy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Well, I just I just really believe that when you have a good product and people want the product, it's not much that you have to do. The product sometimes speaks by itself. And it's just having the courage of actually not feel that everything that you're going to present has to be perfect because it doesn't have to be perfect. And that's a really interesting thing in new product development. If you test it and validate it before you even you put everything on it to make it perfect it's actually save you lots of money and work so i felt confident that the product tasted good and it looked good and i made up excuses that sorry we couldn't bring the packaging because of this was in dubai because we couldn't bring the samples but it, <laughs> it looks like this and it tastes like this and you will love it and and just to kind of at the time, I thought, well, I just want to know if people are interested in this just yeah. before we commit and before we put lots of money. And I think that's the best way when you're trying to innovate and, and bring new things, just testing it like that is it, great. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm just a bit crazy. <laughs> no, you've, you've got to be to start any business. You've got to be a bit mental, 100%. I honestly <laughs> yeah, can't agree with that more. You really have, yeah. There's got to be something wrong with you because the stress you get put under, the anxiety is. I think it's we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. On the podcast, it's underrated in terms of what it does to you in terms of that running a business, which is why hardly anybody does it. Um, you know, yeah. there's lo- there's loads of anxieties, there's loads of stresses, um, and you talk about making stuff up. Absolutely spot on. You've you've got to be ready to do that. I remember when we first launched. And we didn't have a warehouse. We didn't have any storage unit. We were putting stock in our garages. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone to suppliers, like trying to get listings, uh, trying to get stock. And I'm saying, oh, yeah, it goes to our storage unit in Sheffield. Um, I was just completely making it up because I had to try and get products somehow. Yeah. Say, saying, we'll arrange the delivery. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. We'll, we'll handle that. Yeah. So you oh, don't know exactly where it's going. It's exactly the same with us. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll talk to our communication team. It, that means us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they say fake it until you make it and it's true <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i think um i think what, what we learned as well i don't know if you found this is that kind of um you have this kind of it, not insecurity but this sort of almost like a complex about being brand new and small and not having these things yeah. in place but actually people deal with people and if you if they like you they don't really mind whether you you know been around for 10 years or 10 days you know it's it's kind of like if you've got something that um, people want and people are interested in and they like you as a person, you can get your passion for it across. Um, yeah. I think that's the key. It's, it's true. And Daniela and I, we had the opportunity to go to China. We didn't have the product then either. We took that was even in, worse. <laughs> in plastic bags with a logo and, and just like that. And we, we had amazing meetings, amazing opportunities there. And when we did the networking i remember once daniela was quite overwhelmed because it's a lot of like important people that you think but um i remember having this conversation with her and saying people are just people when when it comes to, to it 
it doesn't matter what title you you have or just with a smile and with a conversation it's all you need to do it doesn't it doesn't really matter people are just people and 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 it was a quite a good interesting uh, thing for us since the beginning just to kind of get that straight mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah 100% i think that was that was a, like it was a really good learning point for me mainly like we were there in a room full of like 50 white british men and chinese and natalia and i were the only <laughs> women we were the only ones yeah. or i was the only one under 25 yeah. and i was like what am i doing here like <laughs> how am i faking it this much <laughs> and i remember i watched my face and i was like okay you can do this <laughs> yeah, and yeah. sometimes it's just um people people get a bit scared but at the end of the day there's there's someone that goes back to their house to have dinner like any of us and watch tv like any of us and yeah and we always find like conversation point um yeah <laughs> yeah there's, there's some really good um points there to pick up on actually that I, i'd like to ask you about so um so obviously you two your partnership working together um how does that how does that work between you because i know that well, first of all, how important do you think it is to have that partnership and to have a co-founder? Because um, Paul and I, obviously, um, we're sort of, um, I don't think we'd be able to do this on our own individually with the skills and the personality that we've got, but doing it together, obviously, you know, we've got that, we're quite different people, so we've got that broad range of kind of skills and personalities. So um, would I be right to assume that you two are the same? And then another another part to that question really is, um you, you mentioned sort of being the only women in that room of, of sort of white uh, British men and Chinese men. What, how has, what's that been, been like as sort of women in business? Mm. Uh, how do you think that's um, either helped or hindered you or, you know, what are the challenges of that? I'd be interested to, to hear about. Go on, Daniel. <laughs> so I think first a partnership and I feel we've worked really well because we complement each other in, th in things that are, crucial so natalia is excellent with sales and i am better at marketing and creating the brand which they you you need both to grow a, a company and then on the other side little things like i am a morning person natalia is a night person so we cover all of the hours of the day for any market in the world which is great <laughs> yeah um or I, I am a bit more organized, but Natalia is more like a goer and let's take every opportunity while I try to measure more the risk. So we balance each other really well in that sense. Um, but at the same time, we are both completely crazy and we believe in entrepreneurship. So in that way it works. And yeah, and in terms of woman in business, it's been, it's been interesting, let's call it that way. I think um, we've, found a couple of things being women in business and being um person people that our native language is not english um it's been interesting to do in the uk we've had scenarios where um we felt that people don't like that we we are not from here um yeah and it's a bit challenging to prove yourself as a woman in business but it is a challenge and uh, i mean we we really we really like that i think yeah. What about what about you, Natalia? What's your what's your take on that? Uh, well, in terms of what Daniela said, is is very true. We complement each other, and I I set up my other business by myself, and it's been so great to have somebody else. We have achieved so much, so much quicker. 
because we are a team, because the decisions can be made together, because Daniela ground me and, and she's very organized and she's very, yeah, we, we complement each other. Sometimes I just go a bit crazy and uh, <laughs> I need pulling down to air. Um, yeah, that's me and- out of us too. <laughs> that's exa- honestly it's exact same yeah, yeah you yeah. need that 100 percent. it's it's a fe- it's a perfect team and, and i and it has what I, I feel the difference you know having been a solo founder and now being with daniela it's just it's just so much nicer so much better i i just love it yeah and um, and in terms of uh, being a woman i i always when i talk to other women who are in this position or, or, or people who are uh, foreign uh, coming into business in, 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 in another country, I always say that you can use these things to your advantage uh, because mm-hmm. the fact that you sound different, sometimes it, it, everybody else is the kind of white male and you are different and you sound different, people remember you more. So I very early on, I'm not going to say it's always been like this because of course you have your fears and, and you're like, oh, I don't belong here. Or I, but overcoming this and understanding that actually this is an advantage because you are different, because you sound different, because you are a woman and, and just understanding how much value that can add has been really important uh, for me. And just actually daring to do things rather than, you know, I've been in panels where I'm the only female uh, person invited and sometimes you think oh maybe I, I shouldn't do it and and you tend to kind of try to not do it but the, for me it's like just do it it doesn't matter just ignore everything that is telling you that you don't uh, yeah. don't supposed to be here or whatever and just just go for it take the opportunity yeah that's, that's, that's more of a reason to do it I'd say you yeah know, we've got enough um, you know male white British uh, voices, you know, we need we need something different. Yeah, that's that's so important in starting a business as well. Is not caring what people think. You've got to get rid of that. If you if you're going to go into business and you're like vulnerable to judgment and people, um, and you're a bit you're a bit vulnerable about what you're doing and you you think that you shouldn't be there, then that's going to be a struggle. You need to just like get rid of that and just can I say something really interesting sometimes when I invite my my husband to meetings Mm. and we are in like an event or a dinner I always notice that when people come to talk to me about business they they start talking to Chris like Mm. instead of talking to me like they instantly assume when he's a male in the business or when we're doing stalls or things like always to him and he's like no actually i don't know anything about this business is hair and and just point is the unconscious bias as well on people yeah. you have to really tackle head on yeah, yeah that must be frustrating yes it must be i, I was actually gonna um i was gonna say in the because you are our first female um guests and i was gonna say that in the intro but that, and i was like it shouldn't really be a thing to say really should it but at, at the same time um, I think it's like, is it less than a third of entrepreneurs in the UK are female? Yeah, um, the review from last year, one, yeah. one third. Why, why do you think that is? Do you reckon it is that just natural, um, just feelings like that? That's like, you know, I shouldn't be doing this because it's not the done thing. I, or is I, it something else? I have a, a thought on this. 
Yeah. I um, there, I read some research about how women apply for jobs and how me, um, men apply for jobs. And for a male to go for a job, even if he doesn't tick all the boxes, he's very likely to apply and blag it a little bit and go like, oh, well, I don't have this, but I could do it and apply. Therefore, they're more likely to get those jobs. Whereas for females, we tend to try to tick all the boxes because sometimes we have to be twice as good to even be considered. So for female in our own way of applying for these things, according to the research, you have to really kind of take all the boxes. Therefore, sometimes you don't get even considered for these jobs. So I believe it's a correlation between that and, and the confidence and the all you need to actually think, I can't do this. And also you only um, you become what you see. And if we don't see enough uh, female or, or women in business who are successful and the successful stories, it, it's difficult for for other women to believe that they can do it. But that's just my... And I think things are changing. Things are changing for, for the positive now. I mean, if we take Bumble, um, the CEO of Bumble, for example, she was the first woman carrying a baby that put a, a company in the stock market. That's quite a statement to do. Um, and I think like things are changing for the positive and it's just up to us to understand that we are at the same level. Um, I, I remember in China, um, there was these guys talking in a group and I wanted to join and they they just didn't like see it interesting that I joined the conversation and they started talking about golf and I am quite a keen golfer and I joined the conversation and I was speaking their language and then they pay attention to me. And I was like, yeah. you know what? I actually speak your language too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine that's the case. Yeah. I bet they were like, "Oh, you're not going to know anything about golf," and then yeah, you start talking like, yeah. about it, and they're like, oh, no. "What's going on here?" <laughs> well, you'd be a lot better than me in that situation because I'm useless at golf. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You don't know anything about I golf. Don't, do you? No, I don't know. But I think it's, it's just speaking it. speaking everyone's language, and it's the same, yeah. for example, with us with um, like importing exporting. I had to learn all, all the intercoms, it, it like mm. words and stuff because I had no idea what that was, but once I knew it, I could fake it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, I think, um, I think you're right. I think hopefully um, things are changing. Obviously I won't feel it as kind of um, acutely as you guys will, because, you know, I'm, I'm not in that position, but um, you know, I think for us, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but we've been, we've been recruiting quite a few people lately into our team mm -hmm. and wh whether people are male or female or whatever, like, that's never even occurred to me. It's, ne it's never really been a thought in my mind. It's been, let's look at what sort of person they are and what, what skills they've got. So I think our generation and then, you know, future generations, as long as we keep making these small steps where these biases are starting to get um, chipped away at and eroded away, I think hopefully, you know, um, in future generations, we we'll get there to a point where, you know, these biases are pretty much gone, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the interesting thing about unconscious bias is that because we don't, we are not aware of them. So mm -hmm. I think a lot has to be done for us to acknowledge them. So mm -hmm. don't don't assume, oh, I don't have any bias. It just acknowledge that we all do. And by mm -hmm. acknowledging that and starting from that position, then you are able to implement changes to remove them. Because if you if 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 you don't acknowledge them, that's where the problem gets bigger yeah that's a really good point
Yeah. Have you um, heard of uh, Sarah Blakely or Sarah Blakely and her story? No. It's amazing. I would 100%. And this is for anybody listening. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, check out the uh, How I Built This podcast. Yeah. Um, just try, just type in How I Built This into your podcast uh, platform. And uh, th- there's some amazing story that pretty much inspired us to just to actually start a business genuinely. Yeah, uh, I'm actually that reading that book right now. Oh, yeah, it's oh, a book, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's such a good book. It's extremely long, but it's, it's good. It's really, really, really good book. Yeah, I'd like to get that book, actually. I've got it yeah. in my uh, my list to uh, to read in the future, so yeah. But she One did an day. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she did an episode, uh, Sarah Blakely, who uh, is Spanx, isn't it? The, business. A, the founder of Spanx, yeah. And she's sort of um, the torchbearer, I think, for um, female entrepreneurship. She's amazing, uh, her story. And yeah. it's, it's that same attitude. She just didn't give a shit. It's just, I'm just going to go for it. She's dealing with men in uh, manufacturing plants in the States and stuff in like the deep South and that way it's like, there is that prejudice. And she was just like, you know, I'm just going to go in with confidence and just, and just deliver. And it, it is, it's all a mental thing. Isn't it? Yeah. it really is. Yeah. Um, is she the one that talks about power poses as well? Yes. Yeah, she does. Well, I, saw- I love power posing. That's <laughs> the best thing before yeah. a sales meeting you ask me. How do you do these things and are you crazy just going with with no product power posing before <laughs> yeah i i completely agree that's, that's something that i have to channel sometimes because i'm probably a bit more like you said earlier daniela where you kind of have to psych yourself up and build yourself up for these these moments where you're in front of uh, other people and you maybe feel like you're a little bit out of place or whatever because I, I i had a sales background before before doing this as well and i always have to sit in my car before a meeting and just get myself mentally ready and stuff like that so uh, yeah i think it's a great a great technique it's interesting when i'm in in a room with lots of males you can see them sitting like this or spreading yeah. and i do the same i sit like that <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just great because then you make yourself bigger and in their level and they yeah. start taking you more into account it's, quite interesting it's a powerful tool yeah that's, that's, i don't think i've ever seen a female do that in a meeting and if i did i was like <laughs> fair play that's, that's brilliant. i do yeah. oh i sit like this i put my hand just behind and my other hand here yeah. and make myself like as yeah. big as i can it works it works yeah. yeah and i remember in china everyone was like drinks after like all, all the guys and italiana were like yeah sure let's go <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, you have to be like that we just need to understand that right now it's just equality and anyone is yeah. capable of anything yeah, yeah absolutely so you um so you launched in the pandemic you had that container come over um so you start to get listings before you launched how did the when did you launch and how did that go and where is it taken to you now almost a year on so i think the container arrived to the uk I think it was in October. Um, we had some samples before. So we had like four boxes before and we were using them quite wisely only for for buyers. Um, and I remember Natalia had to like stop me from eating them. Um, but we, we managed to secure a couple of like sales from there. So we managed to secure, I think it was like three pallets from the 10 we brought that were secured um, by buyers. And then... Uh, that was actually incredible after after launching in spinnings in the uae uh, a month we they ordered a second pallet and we weren't okay. expecting it and then a week after a third pallet 
and we were like oh my god what's going on <laughs> um and then because that went so well we managed to talk to a couple of other people and uh, and yeah i think we were speaking today that we managed to sell pretty much everything and we like we were a bit scared that we were not going to be able to do it mm -hmm. um because obviously the pandemic meant that it was a bit harder to get into new uk retailers yeah. uh, they are not really that open right now as they were probably before for products like ours um, when we started, we saw our, our products like in a fancy meal deal. And obviously people stop going to the office, so they're not having meal deals. People want to get a flour to make bread. Yeah, yeah. So we were not in the right moment. So we, we had to look at other options um, like you guys or like, for example, subscription boxes. Uh, that one has been doing really well for us looking at all, all of these other ways to sell that is not just at a supermarket, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I bet that was, um, and, and that part you just said you were worried that it wasn't going to all sell. That's, that's just entrepreneurship in a nutshell, isn't it? And starting your own business and brand. Um, things very rarely go the way you expect or go to plan. Um, I mean, you're solving problems every day. Uh, you're putting out fires every day. Um, and yeah, we, we had a very similar uh, experience when we start because obviously we buy in stock and we have to turn it around quickly because it's always short dated um so we've had it where we've committed to a load of stock and then gone oh shit this isn't going to sell uh yeah <laughs> it, that happens you know that happened a lot in the early days uh, and you've got to take failures on the chin you've got to be open to failing uh, it sounds mad but you've got to have that mentality where you're ready for something not to go you're actually expecting it to go wrong um so that you you sort of build up a resilience to failure um, because that, that's just what run the business is. Yeah, but Daniela was a really good push uh, for us to decide to bring the full container because I was a bit worried thinking, oh, maybe we bring half and see how it goes uh, because of the best before date. I was quite concerned with that. And she was like, no, 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 just bring it because bringing a full container costs pretty much in terms of transport of bringing half because you pay for the whole thing anyway. Mm. Uh, so just invest the rest in the product. And if it doesn't sell, uh, we, we give samples or we do something, you know, and she was like, don't worry, we, we will find a way. And, and because obviously festivals and things weren't going because that would have been a way of actually getting traction yeah. and getting rid of the product. But yeah, I, I'm glad she did push for that and and we 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 brought the whole thing yeah that's a big a big part of it calculated yeah. risk isn't it it sounds yeah. like you've um taken the right risks in the right places you know in a sensible sort of way um to get to where you've got to and uh that's resonates with us because that's that's exactly what we had to do as well mm. there's a thin line sometimes i feel with the risks yeah and as an entrepreneurs people think you need to have like no risks and you, you need to be not scared. No, you do need to measure risks because at the end of the day, like it, this is life. You need to measure risks, mm. but is is until what point you do it and until what point is like logical and not, you are not absolutely losing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it's, um, it's a bit like, I don't know, almost like climbing an escalator or something like that, where it's kind of moving up like that and you have to kind of, keep everything in, yeah. in check, in balance kind of thing. I don't know how to describe it, really. It's oh, almost yeah. like you have to push the business past where it is almost and then let everything catch up. That's what risk's yeah. about, I suppose, isn't it? Like pushing a little bit more each time. 
until the business like grows and then pushing a bit more the next time stuff like that uh, really yeah. bad analogy probably but that's uh, that's how I sort of think of it in my in my mind yeah. and oh, I think I, like I having yeah and having a co-founder is perfect for things like this to to analyze risks and uh, like just say okay this is my point of view which is your point of view let's try to measure it and see it from from a different perspective um so yeah yeah how does that work between you do you ever uh, disagree on direction or do you ever have any um moments where you you sort of one wants to do one thing and one wants to do it really differently or do you generally sort of come together and manage to come to a compromise uh, <laughs> well i think we mainly are in the same page when it comes to where yeah. we're going so that makes things easier because we have a vision uh, very clear to where where we want to be and and how do we get it then is a little bit more controversial but um, I don't feel we have disagreed a lot. Perhaps um, I am very stubborn, like I don't give up. So I'm like a dog with a bone. So Daniela sometimes has said to me, just leave it. You have to just understand that no, everything has to be done and, and you can't just leave it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. I won't leave it. And, and perhaps sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I, yeah, I, I, I am very stubborn. So that's maybe a problem. Mm. Yeah. I, I liken it to the business partnerships like a marriage and the business is your child. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> that's how it goes really. There's, there's a bit of give and take sometimes in any partnership, uh, but it's all for the good of the child, I think. <laughs> it's yeah. a bit weird. <laughs> but but it, is, it is true, like 100%. 100%. And I feel that's why good, that it's really good starting a business with someone else mm, and someone yeah. that complements you. And exactly like what Natalia was saying, she she's really good at just like getting every single opportunity. But I'm like, Natty, if these doors close, let's look somewhere else. And she was like, no, let's open the door. Yeah. <laughs> so trying to like balance this out. But it, it's it's worked so far. So Good. Yeah, I'm horrified to think what that would look like if, if it was a child that was half me and half Paul. I don't, I don't, I don't even... Don't even bear thinking about. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. You guys are doing quite well, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it must be going okay. No, it's um, it's it's my number one piece of advice to anybody that wants to start a business is to find a co-founder. We were saying it to an uh, to to someone the other week who was asking for some advice. They're starting a business, and it was like, look, you need to find a co-founder um, because, a you get that synergy there's very different people you can have different strengths and weaknesses and also the mental aspect of it which i'm always going on about um is shared amongst two of you so i think it's too much to take for one person i'd be interested in what you think natty with that um because you know i was talking about that stress and anxiety to have that all in one person would for me i wouldn't be able to do it no chance because say i'm feeling crap one day james might be having a good day that day and some and it can make you feel better likewise um so do, does that make um is do you think that's true natty with that in terms of the mental aspects yeah, yeah. yeah it, to be honest with pura panela it has been really hard i, mm. I and mainly because that product is not a very easy product to market and also it's, it's, it's a very artisan product in Colombia so there are yeah. a lot of issues with logistics and things that I wasn't really uh, expecting so I have had failures that I have felt so horrible about 
I, I feel like my resilience have been tested to the limit and it really helped to have uh, my husband because I don't think I could have done it uh, without him. He's like my co-founder, if you like, mm. because yeah. I'm like yeah. struggling and I just want to cry and give it all up <laughs> because yeah. these moments happened, you know, uh, he's been there and he's been brilliant. And my mom and dad, they are entrepreneurs as well. So they understand where I'm coming from. So when I'm having issues, I always kind of go back to them and ask uh, their perspective and, and they help me to kind of bounce back. But it's, it's been really crazy and very upsetting at times. So I think having Daniela has really made whole, whole you know, whole different in, in the way I do things. Even if we during the pandemic, it's a shame because we have set up this business and we haven't been in the office together <laughs> sharing things. But, you know, she's always there and we, we talking and stuff. But yeah. I wouldn't recommend to anyone to do this shit on their own because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's been good to have a co-founder to take breaks because yeah. sometimes you just don't want to work and like there's this yeah. thing that entrepreneurs need to be working 24 7 and wake up at five in the morning have a protein bar go for a 20k and continue that's not realistic like, that's not no. how it works and people get ill i remember nati when nati was in colombia she got really really ill for a couple of weeks and i took on board and there's times that i've had family problems and then nati takes on my work and it has to be like that because if not it, there's just non-stop <laughs> Yeah, and it and it can make you ill if you um, you can only you can only do that for a certain amount of time. I mean, we've we've really like um, you know really um, what's the word like um, work to the limit. Really, yeah. um, we've only just started sort of recruiting a team over the past sort of six months, and um, we were doing pretty much everything. Like we packed the first thirty five thousand orders that we got in the business, like just the two of us. Um, at one point, we had Paul's dad in out of retirement to help us out um it's just and you get to a point where you just can't do it anymore you know like mentally and stuff like that and it is difficult to then get to go to that next stage but it's got to be done because it's not sustainable and you you, you can't continue as a person you can't continue as a business just doing that what you said like being pretty much 24 7 like never stopping never having a break it just can't be done yeah, no, it's it, 100%. And it does make you well. I've literally, I'm actually going to the doctor's at two o'clock today um, for an ear infection. I'm convinced, I've had like little, I've never been ill, but this past year we've been so busy. It's, it's been, we've just worked to the limit. And I've had like little bits wrong with me. And James, I've had this ear problem for ages. I'm convinced it's because of stress, 100%. Yeah. Just, it just runs you down. And we and, keep uh, forgetting things as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've got that. When you're like so busy and you've got stress oh, yeah. and stuff like that. That happened to like... us this week, didn't, didn't we? We just started talking about something. I was like, wait, have we just forgotten about it? <laughs> yeah. You just, oh. you just forget things and you're like, did I do that? Is it like a different, um, is there a different version of me doing these things that I've completely forgotten that I've done? It's like, yeah, it's weird. It is. It's, it, it does get too much and people go, like with us, we've obviously got ridiculously busy. Like, and people that aren't in that entrepreneur or aren't really close to you are like, oh, what's wrong with you? You've, you know, turned over a million and a half quid a year. You must be loving it. It's relaxed. You mustn't do anything. It's like, it's complete opposite. It's just, yeah. 
and in fact the busier busy the busier the business gets um the more stress in my opinion uh and that's when you well we can we've just i'm welcome to all our members of our new team by the way if you're listening to this yeah, <laughs> um that's why we've had to hire people recently because it's just it got ridiculous um yeah. and hiring yeah, people's all all another bloody thing as well that we could go into and yeah. i think it's also like the importance of having a good support system this could be yeah. friends family partner whatever you want to call it but the thing is like starting a business it just doesn't stop at 5 p.m um no. there's nights that i go to bed and i have a thousand different things going on in my head and i'm like patrick i just need to talk to you because i need to get it out of of my brain <laughs> so i can sleep <laughs> Yeah. So you yeah. do need to have that support system too. Yeah. I, I, I always believe that you have to really listen to your body. So sometimes if I just don't feel like I want to work, if it's not something that I really, really need to get done, that uh, feeling guilty doesn't help. So just say, I'm not going to work this morning yeah. and I don't care. I just don't want to do it. And just listen to that. And don't feel guilty because of that, because of that perception that you have to be working mm. 24-7. Just don't do it. Don't do it and don't, don't feel guilty. Don't judge yourself. It goes yourself. back to like understanding yourself and when you work properly. Like mm. I I am not good at working after 4 p.m. because just my brain is tired, but you make me work at 6 p.m. and I'm perfect. Well, Natty <laughs> is the other way around. And that's fine. And I think that's that mentality that you need to work from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., just work when your body is ready to work. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's important to have coping strategy. And, de and definitely that thing about getting stuff off your chest as well. That's <laughs> crucial. Some people start podcasts to, to uh, deal with that. Yeah. But anyway. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have it some, some days. We <laughs> we're, we'll yeah. say to each other, like, I'll just say to James, I feel like shit today. I just, I'm just, and we'll talk about it. You have to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, and there's, I'd making it sound, I don't want to put people off from starting a business, but you need to know. <laughs> You know, because it's all I ever I'm always conscious of this. Every podcast we do, we talk about mental health and stuff, but it is important and you need to be ready for it, yeah. but um, motivate at the same time. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's madness. Um, but you guys, it, you really make a good point, um, about partnerships and all that sort of thing. Uh, and I think for the last five, ten minutes, um, I wanted to touch on uh, the Latin American, um, entrepreneurship community in the uk it is is there one or do you, you guys feel as though you're sort of flying the flag for latin america entrepreneurship and brands or is there like a community that we don't know about that you guys are in and you you know bounce ideas off and stuff um well not really there's not like that many latin american entrepreneurs that i know of however there is a massive international entrepreneurs community yeah. and i feel being an international entrepreneur gives you a lot of resilience. Um, when I moved to the UK, I didn't know absolutely anyone in London. And I moved to London after having really bad mental health problems in Colombia. Um, and I was dropped into this massive city and it built so much resilience in me. And you need that as an entrepreneur. And there's so many examples of really good international entrepreneurs that have been successful. A lot of the companies nowadays that we think about are, are done by migrants. And, and, and I feel that's, that's why, um, which is quite an interesting way of seeing things. Um, I, I would say 
the uh, there is a, a very crucial difference between entrepreneurship in a country like the UK, where you have a welfare system, where people have the opportunity to study, to go to university. There are the job the jobs market is quite big and inter interesting. And the entrepreneurship that happens in Latin America and especially in Colombia. So I I would say it's an entrepreneurship of opportunity and an entrepreneurship of necessity. And that's very interesting because, you know, in, in Colombia, if you go to Colombia, people, everyone is an entrepreneur because they have yeah. to. There is no other way of doing things. So you see uh, things of people being uh, on the street, selling fruits, selling juices, selling vegetables, uh, wherever you go you see entrepreneurship everywhere, but that doesn't mean that they are businesses that are gonna thrive or are gonna become big businesses and scale, but everybody has that spirit in them because there is no welfare system and there is no support. If you translate that into the communities here, for example, if you go to Elephant and Castle in London, for example, you will find the same. You will find Colombians doing things, selling things, setting up business, stalls, uh, you know, all these, all these interesting things that happen in those communities. Also, maybe small business like entrepreneurship in, in smaller scale. So people who perhaps have a career, but they are living here and, and they couldn't find a job in what they do. So they start a hassle kind of thing and selling. So yeah, I, I just find very interesting the contrast of, mm. of these two types of of entrepreneurship is very interesting yeah it's almost like that spirit's kind of built into you already yeah. <laughs> yeah. we have to yeah unfortunately i don't know yeah. if fortunately or or unfortunately you can see it from both angles i guess yeah it's probably a little bit of both i would imagine um i've heard that about india yeah you know, i think india is officially the most entrepreneurship country entrepreneurial i think it's like 80 percent of people have their own business there or something yeah because yeah. um, they're so Honestly, close to it's really interesting if you ever go to Colombia I think I remember one of the things that my best friend found really interesting is that you won't see people begging on the streets like mm -hmm. begging for money you'll see the people cleaning the, your window or selling um, I don't know crisps or dancing or doing something to get money they yeah. won't see people begging and at the end of the day that's some sort of entrepreneurship too um, yeah, so it's it's that mentality of of need of entrepreneurship and also opportunity yeah, yeah. But the, 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 what makes me sad about these things is that these entrepreneurship or these entrepreneurs that are full of beans if you like and if they were if they had the opportunities to really have enterprises that were able to scale and, and become something but often these um, these are very limited enterprises mm. and, and it, it's, it's actually not quite fair so that's why i'm i'm not well i don't know maybe it's too political for a podcast <laughs> oh no it's not it's yeah no, no it's, it's yeah so you're saying maybe like the support should be there for people to yeah. you know be yeah. given the tools to to do that well the thing is it's very different to set up a business in the uk where you have all yeah. these support systems where you have opportunities like a business who or which, like for example, yours that you started in your gar in your garage and mm. you were uh, 
bring in the stock and whatever, but the, the business had the opportunity to scale because you were not perhaps hungry or, or having to, uh, you had support yeah. systems in place. Whereas yeah. if you are only selling a few things on the street because otherwise you wouldn't feed yourself, it's like a cycle that doesn't get you anywhere. So this fallacy of thinking that oh everybody can become a millionaire tomorrow, you just need to start selling crisps in the, in the traffic light, actually that's not true because it's very rare that that happens because it's a, it's a, it's a cycle. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, well, I think um, I'm really enjoying this and I wish no, we could same. go on forever, but Paul's got to go and get his ears sorted out <laughs> shortly. So we'll squeeze in another last um, point, I think, and then we'll have to wrap up if that's okay. Um, so last question, what, what would you, what would your advice be to anybody that's um, trying to start a brand and trying to launch a brand and get it off the ground? Cause we, we sort of rely on other people's brands really to attract customers. Uh, for the most part so what would your advice be for anybody trying to get a brand off the ground just go for it <laughs> just go for it and yeah. i think that that's the thing like just go for it like i i remember when i thought about starting my business i was like what's the worst thing that can happen right now for me yeah. i i have a place to go <laughs> it's yeah. fine it's fine and i think with brands uh, you need to have a very clear vision of what you want Mm. Even though when we first started with all the parrot concept, I honestly thought we were going mad. But you, <laughs> you need to have a vision at the end. Um, and I think yeah. for me, that's my main advice. Just go for it and test it. And if it doesn't work, start again. Um, I, I said before, get a parrot because it's quite fun. But <laughs> it's a joke. I think the most important thing if you want to create a brand understanding what a brand is because a lot of people think oh a brand is how the product look like and what logo you have but actually that is not true a brand is who you are as a business and how you are going to represent that brand so is that brand going to be playful colorful professional is it going to be serious is it and, and once you have all those things set up then you have to make sure that every day that you work on that brand, you communicate that message and that brand becomes a thing because it's not just a logo. And, and you build that every day. It doesn't happen one day to another. And you test it and, and, and you will see really what you, your brand is and, and it hopefully will match what you have in your head. But a brand is complete, it's a lot of different things. It's not just the logo. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and and you've got an amazing brand. Um, I encourage all our, all our listeners um, check out Laura Crisps on our website and also and Pure Penella as well. Um, Instagram, Laura Crisps, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Yes, TikTok. I'm on it now. <laughs> I, I, I'm really enjoying your guys' TikToks. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, I was looking at the behind the scene ones you were filming. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you need to get some parrots on your TikTok. That would pop. Honestly, you'd go viral. I'm not even know, kidding. You need to do it. I'm going to Colombia for summer, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. And honestly, I just have so many ideas of different TikToks I'm going to do. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I'm not even kidding. I would recommend you go all in on TikTok. I think it'd really, uh, it'd be amazing. I think it's a perfect yeah. platform for you. Um, 
So yeah, anyone listening, be ready for uh, Laura Crisp's um, and Pure Penella's TikToks. <laughs> They're going to be amazing. Um, but no, honestly, that, that was so good. I really enjoyed that. And uh, I'm sure there'll be so much value for our uh, listeners and customers to take away. Um, thanks very much, guys. Or, or should I say muchas gracias? Muchas gracias. Yeah, that's it, Daniela. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Really great Thank conversation. You. Thank you. Okay. Thank you Thanks. both. We'll have, we'll have to do part two sometime. We will. We will, 100%. Yeah. Thank we'll you. have you back on. <laughs> Thanks very much. We'll speak to you soon. Okay. Take care. Good luck in the doctor's appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Our customers are going to, and listeners will be asking how that went, won't they? No? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did Paul's doctor's appointment go on? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Good luck, guys. Bye. Speak later. Bye. You too. See you. Gracias. Adios. Bye-bye. Right then. All done. That was Laura Crisps, Daniela and Natalia. Thanks again um, to both of the ladies for coming on. Mm. Um, Absolutely brilliant uh, podcast, I thought. Great discussion, really enjoyed it. Um, Pleasure to have them on as well. Um, Both uh, gave some great insights and some great answers to our questions as well. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. It was one of my favourite ones. I'm not even just saying it. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Loads of stuff to take from that. I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you did enjoy it, then feel free to um, leave us a rating, a review. Yeah. Uh, is that the word? Five star. Five star. If Five possible. star rating, yeah. Please. Um, always open to feedback. Um, get in touch with us on our contact form on our website if you want to give us some feedback. Um, anything else? This podcast was sponsored by Kayo Nutrition, Nut Butters. Mm. Um, Kayo Nutrition are an incredible uh, brand that we now work with um and by sponsored i mean they're just you know the brand of the week we just want to give them a shout out yeah they've not paid to be uh, on this <laughs> um but yeah we've got their nut butters in stock now in several different flavors haven't we yes which are they are salted caramel milk chocolate white chocolate and crunchy peanut butter so indeed yeah. um and a shout out to um to zaid who yeah. is our contact Cheers, zaid um and uh, somebody that I've not spoken to, but um, by all accounts, yeah, a good guy. top guy. Yeah, the top fella. Thanks, Aid. And yeah. we've got, uh, we actually now know who's next on the podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. So next up is uh, Jamie Crummy from Too Good To Go. Yes. He's going to be on our next episode, which is, that's going to be fantastic. Definitely, um, yeah. We're going to be talking about food waste a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's a great, a great, um, a great story. Mm. Because Jamie has built a fantastic uh, app um, to help people to uh, take advantage of um, surplus food, to buy surplus food and to allow brands and retail stores and shops and factories and any other place where food is um, available to make their surplus stock available via the Too Good To Go app. I would really recommend it. Magic bags. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you want to say? I was going to say, save this for the podcast. Good point. <laughs> like, that was like a trailer, you know, modern day cinema trailers where they just pretty much show the film before you get to watch yeah, it. Yeah, sorry about that. That was. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll cut some of that so that we don't just give it all away. But yeah, no, we want to hear about Jamie's story, which I'm sure we will, um, because we don't know all about that yet. We do a bit, but we'll, we'll um, expand on that. Yeah. That'll be good. Yeah. So yeah, hope you enjoyed episode seven. Um, And yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.